Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another program. Well, today I'm uh, really privileged. Um, I've got somebody with me that um, I've only met recently, but I'm absolutely delighted that this lady's agreed to speak to us on Leader Manager Coach. Um, it's it's very much my opinion, but I consider her to be very unique in what she's doing. Uh, I'm sure she'll put me right if I get any of this wrong, but um, Sally's uh, is a development and performance culture lead at Sheffield United Football Club in the UK. Um, she's the honour of being a UEFA Pro Licence holder, I believe, and a holder of the Advanced Youth Award. Um, she has a bachelor's degree in uh, sport and exercise science. I believe it was from Leeds Beckett University. She has a solid 15-year career behind her as um, a coach educator and, and uh, a team lead at the, at the English Football Association. Um, I also believe she's worked at the David Beckham Academy um, in London. I met Sally at a training ground guru conference, and I was immediately impressed by the, the small amount of speaking that she was allowed to do at that time. A couple of things about Sally that I've I've read up and found out. I believe she's turned a changing room at um, Sheffield United into a mindfulness room, if that's the right thing. Um, she's a believer that every individual is totally different. She's been brave enough to introduce acting and singing into the world of professional football, which on its own deserves an accolade, in my humble opinion. And I salute her courage. So if any of that's wrong, Sally... Put me, put me right, but um, please welcome Sally Needham. Welcome along, Sally. Thanks, Rob. You've definitely done your own work. The only thing that's not true is I haven't got my pro license, but oh. I've got my A license, my AYA, but yeah. But no, you have definitely done your own work on me. I feel a bit nervous now. <laughs> well, please don't. I thought, well, I've got somebody on that. I'm so interested. In it. It's always um, the right thing to do to kind of make sure you've got it right about the person you've given the time up to um, speak to you know, the, the cohort of people who listen to the podcast. So, um, well, I'm sorry I got that wrong, but at least I got it the right way. At You've least... elevated me to pro license. Well, <laughs> well let's hope um, if that's one of your dreams, I don't know, but I'm sure you've got no. lots of other things to do. But um, no. Okay, so look, if this is your stage, the, the people who listen to this podcast vary. Um, lots of coaches, lots of people interested in the beautiful game, some players as well, I know, and people outside the game who like, um the, the personal development side of things so yeah i'd like you to introduce yourself and and just tell us a little bit about your journey because i think people always relate to stories which i know you get um and your story is a, is, is of interest so um the stage is yours to tell us a little bit about your journey how you got to where you are now sally okay um so uh i that first started off really with um going to watch barnsley with my dad so I got into football quite early um, and my dad kind of like said to me, actually, you know what you're talking about? So I used to run up from the front and just go, why has he took so-and-so off and put so-and-so on when he's a crosser and he's an editor and all like that? So so I got into playing and then went to college, got into doing sport. Um, and then 
top made captain, not for my football ability, but definitely for my um, voice and uh, personality, I think. So, um, and the manager at the, at the college team were my tutor as well, and he were working at the Girls' Centre of Excellence at Barnsley. So I said to me, one of my duties was probably to take warm up a little bit and help with coaching. Uh, said I were, thought I were all right at it. Did my level one at Barnsley College, part of the, my course. Um, and then went away to Leeds Met. I did. I did a sport and exercise science um, degree. Um, did my level two on my UFB. So got my UFB when I was 20, which were quite young at the time as a female. Um, and then um, got given a mentor at the FA, um, Colin Morris, who was selling it up with us now, but massive influence in my career. Um, and um, he said to me, you should really go into tutoring. And at the time, there were only probably two or three females in the country tutoring. So went in down that route when I um, started tutoring when I was about 22, 23, which were quite unique at the time, being female and quite young still. Um, and then, as you mentioned, um, decided that I'd try and see if I could forge. I wanted to be a PE teacher, stroke history teacher when I was younger, because um, I loved my history teacher. Um, but um, decided that I'd try and forge a career in football. So I gave myself 12 months. I worked with mum and dad in the morning in their offices and then... At night, in the afternoon, I'd go do PPA, I'd go do after-school clubs. Um, I got the director role at the Girls' Centre of Excellence, um, so I was running that. And then, as you mentioned in the intro, um, got a random phone call from the Beckham Academy. Um, I went down there and were part of their coach ed. They needed some female coach educators. Yeah. So yeah. there were me, Tessa Payne, Ted Dale and Paul Older that become the coach education team down there. Um and obviously, Ted, Tessa, I'm nodding our at the FA and while we have the FA. So, yeah, so it's all the connections. So, we're there for a good two years, lovely, great life experience. Did a little stint out in LA um, and then moved into the skills program. So, original 66 of Trevor Brookings' idea of the 5 to 11s um, FA skills program. Absolutely the making of me. Um, I loved it, working with 5 to 11s every day, work with teachers after school, holiday camps, definitely learnt my trade in coaching in that in them ages. Um, was obviously under Pete Sturgis at National 5 to 11 lead, exposed to so much of the youth awards, went through them, carried on with tutoring, so then I was tutoring level one, level two, all the youth awards. Um, luckily for me, um, Sturge picked five, um, people from the FA Skills Programme to be on the pilot of the AYA. Um, so I were on the pilot course of the Advanced Youth Award in 2012. Um, only female, so quite daunting, but um, loved it. Massive game changer for me um, because it exposed me to the psych and social corner that not really being exposed before. Um, and that kind of started my curiosity in it. Um, Carried on coaching when I did my A license, um, and then were coaching and kind of got into the wanted to know the how and the why. So when we talk about concentration or confidence, what is it? Where does it come from? How do you develop it? And what were happening in the skills program is when I went back to deliver quite a lot of the stuff for the Advanced Youth Award, the children were just flourishing in front of us as children and as players, but nobody could really give me the how and the why. So I went and did a a course away from the FA through a company called Thrive Approach, and it basically showed and went through all stages of brain development, what happens in child development, what's right time development, what's wrong time development behaviours, 
um, how you put them in brain interruptions back in, attachment theory, and the latest in neuroscience. And there really I found my answers. Um, so then the next couple of years I spent at the FA putting the work back into football. Um, so it's on quite a lot of hidden, quite a lot in the courses, did an MA in this um in play. So through the um Centre for Research in Early Childhood. Uh, we Sturge as my tutor, uh, which was brilliant. And then I went and finished my master's off uh, with Andy Cale at, and Don Vincent at Worcester Uni and did loads of my research there was neuroscience um, application to foundation phase. Um, and then we went, hit COVID, and the work had started to really gather momentum. I was going to doing some CPD in clubs. I was back delivering on the Advanced Youth Award, which is like come full circle, which I love. Um, and it just felt right to take the leap to leave and see where the work went. Um, fortunate enough that um, a close friend, Keith Mincher, um, is close with Jack Lester, who were a camera manager at Chef United at the time. Um, and Jack had rang me and just said, um, I've been giving your name. Um, can we have a chat? Uh, which we did. Um, and that were about oof, nine months before I left. Um, and he just kept are you happy still at the FA? And I'm like, yeah. And then um, yeah. decided that I was going to leave. And he texts and just put, are you still happy? And I put, no, I'm thinking about leaving. He's like, I'll ring you in five minutes. <laughs> that typical Jack. Um, so um, that was it. And then um, decided to leave. I left on the Friday, started at Sheffield United on the Monday, um, doing two days a week. Um, said to Jack, not sure if it's going to work. And Jack just gave me the really good kind of backing of, Let's have fun trying, be bold, and look, give it a go. So we did. Um, and then um, so came into that two days consultancy, doing my other little bits at the FA, another little bits in as a consultant business, which I've still got before growth one, going into different clubs. And then as it's progressed and progressed and progressed, um, Paul Eckenbottom and Jack, uh, Paul Eckenbottom were our 21s manager at the time, or 23s at the time. Jack were a kind of manager. Obviously, they've now transferred into the first team. Paul Eckebottom as first team manager. Jack as part of his coaching staff, first team staff. Um, and the club approached me when they went first team and just said, would you consider coming full-time? Um, so that's where I am now. So my I started full-time in April. So I've been in roughly full-time six months, but here 18 months. And my role now is um, Academy Human Development and Performance Culture Lead. Wow. So yeah, that's where I'm at at the minute. Wow. That's a great story. And it's littered with characters of the game. Um, Pete Sturgis, I mean, I've watched Pete, Pete coach and out of, I can't tell you, for me, a better relator to young players than, than I've seen with him. I've seen him have fun with players when he's having more fun than them and I've never seen him ever do anything else, you know? It's, like, beautiful to watch. Yes. And you you kind of wonder, how does he have the enthusiasm to do that? Um, Ted, yeah. um, you know, down at David Beckham, um, Andy Kale, I've worked with Andy Kale. So you've got... You know some fantastic people that you've that you've yeah. bounced off at, and um, what yeah. a great journey that is. Um, the thing I'd like to to start with is a courage conversation because 
look, I've having worked in professional football and understanding the absolute what can I say? The 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 cutthroat kind of pressure that you're under to A get results, B conform and and kind of not show any vulnerability, even as a staff member. And and, and I think that's rife. Um now you come across as somebody who actually has got a space where that you've created or a persona or a personality that you you're not maybe not in that zone. But um it's hard to imagine that professional football doesn't have that side. And that was one of the things that attracted me to you in your story when I saw you at the conference, Sally, is that you were speaking from a vulnerable place in terms of, wow, you know, you're stepping well outside the line of what's the norm in pro football. So talk to me about courage and kind of has there been any question marks in your mind? Because you've done some really different stuff with your with your players. Yeah, um, I think... Linking back to what you said, I've I've had some really strong male figures that have really, really supported me through my journey. Um, And that's been real key for me. Um, So I think, you know, you you do need some strong male figures um, as a female in the game. Um, I'm very fortunate that Jack um, is very forward thinking extremely forward thinking in right. how he approaches things right so for me when i came in um, i presented before i came in to know that i needed the buy-in to be able to influence um and that comes from top down now within like first team manager the first team manager Eki got all my contracts sorted went to board and got all my positions sorted so i know that i've got the backing um from the top down and the buy-in um so and Ekil said to me the same, look, try it. And after three months, if it don't work, it don't work. But how do we never know? We've got to try and affect the game. And I think that was a big thing around my job title. We 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 studied about the job title for a while, me and Jack, to be honest. And wow. it's more about um, trying to, one, affect the game. Yeah. Um, two, try and highlight a female in a in a in a role. Because I sit in actually the coaching team. I don't sit outside in the MDT team. And three were around trying to, you understand and respect what's gone before in football and how do we embrace the future because the children in front of us and the advances in science is now telling us slightly different things. Um, I think for me, that's I've got psychological safety in my role. Even now, like the, we've had a change, obviously, a canon manager. Dell's come in from 18 to 21, uh, 18s to a canon manager. Our head of individual went from head of individual to 21's manager. So we kind of got the buy-in of and the people know what we've done. Um, the big thing for me is obviously my role is around relationships. So how do we build them relationships to then have them conversations and then that buy-in? Um, and I think now because the boys have bought into it so much, it's an easy conversation because the boys want to do it and they feel the benefit in it and they all have embraced it, which they have done, which I'm very fortunate that they have. Then that gives me then the license to put the ideas forward. Um, I had about three months where I just literally watched everything and then presented to Jack because at the time we have a mantra out, run out of our play, out fight with a blank canvas. So Sorry, think, just, just say that, that, that last bit again, because that's really important. We have, we have that, a mantra out, run out, fight out, play. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So the out fight was a blank canvas. So when I came in, Jack didn't want a normal psychology route to put on the out fight. 
Um, so I observed for a couple of months and then presented to Jack. And then we've gone with three behaviours that we've gone after. Um, so come back to your question of courage. I think because I had the backing and I have the backing of Jack still now, and I have the backing of the people that you need to influence, um, it kind of gave me the safety net to be able to yeah. uh, drive it forward. And I think um, any other, I think there's bits going off in other academies. I don't think we're the we're the kind of ones that are doing different stuff. I think there's there is bits going off elsewhere as well. Um, I think the biggest thing for us, and I say it quite a lot, is, and I nick this analogy from a friend um, about. Um, you can give people the ingredients, but sometimes if they haven't got the recipe, then they're only going to hit so far. Yeah. So when I've gone and done CPD in other, in other clubs, there'll be certain pockets of people that go, yeah, we, we, we're taking this on and we're buying it. Um, but if it's not somebody there to mix it and to manage it and to be the chef with it, then they're only going to get so far. Whereas here, um, we've got I've got the buying from the staff. The kids buy it. All the players love it. Um and so, and I've got the understanding of it to be able to apply it. I think that's the big thing is the fact that I understand the neuroscience um, and sociology, which mm. is a massive thing for me. And then how do you apply it to football? So you've got both. So when it comes down to your question about the courage, I think I have a support network that I really value their opinion on. And because they'll say to me, you're not crazy and it's where the game's going to go. And I don't really have this conversation today. I don't really have much challenge because when you start talking about the neuroscience or what we're doing or why we're doing it, people go, oh, yeah, that happened to me last week. Or, you know, when I were playing this and, oh, yeah, that happened to me. So you don't get much of the challenge because people can relate it to it because it gives you the answers. When yeah. anything we talk about neuroscience for me, I know it's my bias, but gives you the answers to everything that we need to know. So, um, so I think for one, answer your question, I'm very fortunate the people yeah, yeah. I have in my trusted circle yeah. give me the safety and the courage to implement it. And then the environment that I'm in now with the people that I'm in give me the courage to try things and to apply mm -hmm. it. And um, I'm very, I know that I am very fortunate in the environment that I have with the people that I have um, to try and be bold and just do something a little bit different. Yeah. And a great, a great answer. And, I think that the description of having a safe place to operate from, it, it's a fundamental for all of us, isn't it? It's what any workplace you need to be, you need to be valued. You need to feel safe and you need to know that if you make a genuine error, that it's going to be looked at as a genuine error. And yes, you might say sorry. And you might say, have a, if you've got a reflective ability um, but if you know that you're going to get the possibility that you're going to get a sack, you're going to get the sack, you, you, you're going to be laughed at. Um, all those things will change your own behaviours, won't they? So yeah. it, it sounds, yeah, I, I, I get that and, it, and it's a great place to be. And, and, and I think one of the things that stood out, Sally, when you spoke at the conference was how you referred in such a relationship way to your to your other staff like Jack and an Eki, as you call him, and and it wasn't it was it wasn't casual. It was casual, but it's not casual kind of flippant. It was genuine, um, not you know. It wasn't. Yes, there's a hierarchy there, but it was kind yeah. of a comfortable thing. Which brings me to words. Now, 
Um, I've read that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you, you believe very much in neuroscience. Um, I believe in, in, in that, that our, our words are tools that influence how we think. And yeah. I, I think there's a bit of a hierarchy in thought, words, and, and deeds, if you want to take it from through that level. Yeah. Um, so I believe that you kind of have an influence on your on your on on your players in terms of their affirmations, or if I can use that word or that phrase or what they say. How much of that is a is a part of your work? Yeah, so a couple of things with language for me. One can be um, one what what language do the players tell themselves in self talk? So how do we change the narrative from to power language? Um, and what chemical responses happen in certain language that the players tell themselves? Two, we do um, breath work, mindfulness, meditation, journaling. So the lads use a lot of gratitude, a lot of positive affirmations. Um, some more than others. Some fits more than others. Some do meditation differently to others. Um, so it's it's all individual. Like we said earlier, every experience we have stored in our body and our brain. So it's kind of you've got to be curious around what's the behavior telling you. Um, and then obviously what words our coaches say or 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 even in our dining room, everything like that, the people, everybody, I think I said it last couple of weeks ago, everybody in our building's a psychologist because what words and how they interact and their tone and their facial cues is massively important to what we how we uh, perceive it and how we then use it. Um and power of words is massive to me. So like a negative word you will probably need five then positives to outcome the chemical response from a negative and how it gets logged in your nervous system and your brain. So we try to understand and give the boys always the science of the why. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Why, why does gratitude, why does positive affirmations, what happens in their chemical responses in their body and their brain that enables that to be the fact that it's the positive and we talk to the boys around around, um, stretching their window of tolerance as much as we can. So the fact that the more window tolerance they've got, the more they can cope with demands of life in the game, but also understanding that they will go up and down. Um, we're in a world, I think, where, well, I perceive it sometimes that emotions are seen as bad and good. They're not. They're just emotions and feelings. To experience love, you've got to experience stress. Stress is actually not a bad thing um, and can be optimal performance if we understand where it is. If it's in a prolonged state, then that's where we start to have the issues that we do. So for the boys, language is a big thing for me, um, a big thing in a sense of the tone, what you say, how you say it, um, what words get said, how the boys receive that, past experiences, what the coaches say, and then internal talk as well as a massive thing for us. So can I ask you, Sally, how actually practically would you introduce the practice of meditation to a cohort of young players? How would you do well, that? Sorry, my screen's just gone funny. Um, so if if it's the, depending on what age you're talking about, but yeah. our, our, our nines do it. So yeah. our nines to our 21s do it. So... We have. I have a workshop with our younger ones, 
either that is in the classroom on the grass or in the in our mindfulness room now so we're in like a classroom bit um so we'll how we'll give the boys an understanding so we've got a common language now the first the first task we always do with the boys is to understand the brain and the body so understand what happens in your brain how it's connected into your body and then what we've used terminology we've got a model with us that's called red and green uh, the red zone and the green zone and basically that's just our model it's um yeah it's it's just a model for the boys to understand it's not how the brain looks no. in structure it is purely a model. yeah um so we go down the line of this is what's happening in your body and your brain and we try and refer it back to a game or something that's happened at the weekend so you give them the science then you go right so now I'm going to help you with how we're going to then practice that. So that might be on the pitch or it might be in the in the mindfulness room. And then you just go, right, we're going to do this breathing exercise. And this is what we can practice on the pitch. This is what happens. <clears throat> this is what we're trying to do with the science. So we always give the boys really the why first. And then we go, right, this is one of the strategies that's going to help you. And then we, we go through it. So I'll, dra- I'll guide them through it, but the coaches are understanding it as well for all CPD that do with coaches. <clears throat> Same with the older ones. We give the science behind it. And then it's in their program, though. So they do yoga normally with me twice or three times a week, and then we do breathing at the end. Meditation can be done in all different forms. It can be done. I've, I've been for a walk today with one of the with one of the players, um, I was injured, just came out of the building. And we've done meditation as we've walked around, but it's not been laid down, close your eyes, center into your third eye meditation. It's been meditation in, oh, have you noticed this? And have you noticed that? And so there's an element of you can put it in differently for them. Some of them really like doing, like putting the wave sounds on and doing it quietly. Some of them like to do it walking round out in the out in the 3G. Some of them like to do it just still um, and chill out. So we've got an app, one of our apps that they do like a concentration grid. That's meditation away because they're just focusing in. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's always done to like the science. <coughs> and I have to edit this bit. It's fine, don't worry. We will. Take as long as you like. Ever since COVID, once I've had... talking for a long time, I might as well get a mint. Do you want uh, a drink? I've got one. <laughs> but it just goes. When I start with COVID, after COVID, started where? Start talking a long time. My throat goes all dry. Um, so I normally have for a mint in, and I ain't got one, but I might go run and get one. Um, but yeah, going back to it, sorry. Um, so we always give the boys the science and then yeah. we practice different ways of doing okay, it so, to allow them to then experience it. Right. So my question is, having actually um, e- experimented with this, with with not, not many groups of players, but maybe two groups of players, um, is there's always the ones that there's always the start where people think it's like weird and the ones who laugh and the ones who giggle and, and yeah. dealing with all that. So that's a reality. Yes. I, I I'm assuming when you start. Not really. Like, <laughs> so it's not, so you've, you've either got an amazing group of players or you've done some amazing work with them to, to, to kind of clear all the, to get the buy-in. Um, Cause yeah, I, I just recall, you know, the ones who, 
were just laughing and joking and 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 kind of but eventually got into it um yeah. but you don't you don't get any of that with your boys no no and i and and i got asked this question the other week by by a friend that works in another club and um i think because um i'm viewed in the coaching team and they know my job role but also because we gave them the science and then I always give them it, how, who's doing it, how does it apply to football? Yeah. So what's the benefit of the football? So what's the science? Which we've done a lot of work on that, so it's common language now. The boys know it. What's then, who's doing it in football? Who? What's the benefit in football? Yeah. Yeah. And then you apply it. So yeah. and the boys are brilliant with it. Like we played a team the other week and one of the lads went, oh, Sally. Think their coach needs to get some colouring in pencils and pens or go into your glasses. <laughs> and then, like one of our one at ref says to one of our coaches of the week, um, like calm down. He went, "Hey, I'm calm. I do my breathing, morning work, and I do my gratitude journal." So we like it's just part now of um, of everyday life here. Like the lads will go walk around and I'll like look at him and they'll go, "I'm doing my nasal breathing. Don't worry." Um, it's brilliant, Sally. You know, it's just part of it's just part and parcel. The boys, do you know what? I think sometimes we perceive it to be that the boys are not going to buy into it, but it's part. It's 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 a lot of our young ones do it at school now. Um, a lot of the lads when they do it, they really enjoy it. I mean, one of the boys under sixteen last night, I walked in through the gym and he's doing some gym because he's had an injury this week, and he's like. Uh, can I just do a bit of breathing with you tonight? I said, yeah, of course you can. He went, really enjoy it, Sally. It, and it's is a 16-year-old that, that has problems at school that is not probably labelled a naughty kid at school. And he loves it. And it's just because you sometimes have a perception of what you think they're going to be. And the the boys love it. They're used, they're used to it. It's part of the programme. It's become a daily habit. They see other players that have benefited from it, that have progressed which I think always helps that it's going it's progress. Beautiful. Um and so the they ask me all the time, can we do some breathing today or what's breathing and can I do some stretch? And it's part of daily routine and it's progressing all the time. So now like tomorrow, um normally the eighteens have done like visualization and breathing today. But then in the morning they'll do before they'll meet, they report at nine, they've got a match tomorrow at eighteen. So they'll report at nine. Quarter past nine, they'll be me till half past nine till their team meeting, and they'll do um, a bit of breathing and visualization. Some might do a little bit of stretch. It's just part of they've just got used to it. And the big thing for us is giving them the tools to understand that this is how mood shifts. This is what this gives you. This is what that gives you. So journaling gives you this. Um, breathing gives you this. How it all ties to sleep. Uh, how it all ties to your mood and giving them the tools to be able to understand themselves a hell of a lot more earlier on than getting later on in the 20s and then realising what they know about themselves. So we're trying to give them it earlier on to have it earlier on in the career to know it and then they've got their own skill set and they know all that stuff rather than getting it later on in life and learning it themselves. It's so beautiful to hear. Um... I think there's a number of things I'd like to say in response to that. Um, one is that how good you are as a professional and obviously as a club, and um, and it sounds like it's kind of emanated from you, Sally, plus the fact that they've given you the carte blanche to do so, um, that 
that you've actually got players coming to you. It's a coach's dream to have players coming to you and saying, please, can I do some more of this with you? In a, as opposed to um, players thinking, oh, my days, another training session. Because that's how I've worked in clubs where that's what the young kids think because they're just football, football, football from the age of eight to 16, if they're any good. And it's a sad state of affairs that, that sometimes they're just absolutely wiped out with it. Um, yeah. But to have them like you've described is, is it says it all for me. Um, not only that, I mean, you, the exponential things you're talking about in terms of the flow of those skills into life, you know, because instead of a player getting to 33, realizing the career's over and then having to grow up at 33, you're kind of doing that now and, and actually saving them all the heartache of, look, let's face it, the statistics say that they're horrific for the for, for top players in terms of mental health, divorce, financial ruin. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's it's beyond great what, what you're doing, not only at the club, but what it's doing for them as as young people. And, um, you know, it, it, it's brilliant. Um, and just to think that it's actually part of their normal daily routine, it, it's kind of, yeah. you know, I, I really think you are groundbreaking and I know you don't want it, you know, you're not the kind of person, no. you know, you've got ultimate humility, I can just tell, which is, you know, so, so lovely. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. Thank you. I don't think, I think we are trying to push the, the boundaries with it, but I think there's other stuff, I think there's some good stuff going off in other clubs as well. Um, and I think people are starting to to look yeah. at it a lot more. Um, and I think that there's a need to be, you know, not every one of them comes into the breathing class. Um, but they're all they've all got a good understanding of it all, but majority do, majority like I can't remind you I were away last week anyway. Funny when I got back, we took the boys, one fifteens and sixteens to Holland, and um I checked in with him when I got back and he was like Funny as anything, he said, I've walked past your mindfulness room. He says, and there's <laughs> so-and-so and so-and-so sat colouring in. He's like, I just laughing to myself, Sally. I'm like, I don't know, like they love it. And they just, but it's 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 just, you open it up, you open the door up to him and you're given the science and how it applies to football and they enjoy it. And as soon as they start to feel it or they see people that's in the 21s having the success because of these yes. things, it, you, you've got the buy-in anyway with them. You don't have to sell it to them no no so, it's great it, it's fantastic yeah. it's um it, it's so lovely to hear and um so i've just this week and this look um i'm a i haven't got your neuroscience qualifications and your phd ma sorry i'm probably getting all that you know your, your your master's in play and, and and how it relates to football i and, am doing a phd at minute let me tell you it's oh yeah what are you doing what, what? slog <laughs> I've heard, I mean, and I've got a couple of friends who've actually put them on the shelf, like, because it just became overwhelming. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you, of course it's not. <laughs> hey, respect. Um, I'd love to chat to you about that, but sometime another time. But um, <laughs> What was I going to say? I was going to, oh yeah. So I've been reading this week about uh, how dopamine yeah. increases brain plasticity and learning. And so it kind of, for me, as Janet and John book one, who's not a neuroscientist, underlined why happy players 
like Pete Sturgis has, learn better. Um, and and that kind of almost, I wouldn't say summarises why why what you're doing works so well, but it kind of really fits in well with it, Sally, doesn't it? Yeah, so I'm not a neuroscientist either, so let me just uh, clarify that. But um, there's a couple other bits with that. So I use what's called polyvagal theory, Stephen Porges' work, and talks around when you get into play, we've got what's called ventral vagal that comes into fruition, and it's what's called then our social engagement system. So it's how then we connect. Um, And the more that we can activate some of those chemicals in our brain, dopamine being one, BDNF's a great one for like a brain fertiliser, then that's all that interacts with play. And we know like a lot of the science behind play. Um, I'm very fortunate that our schoolboys, S&C, Pete, is amazing with the boys. Like his social engagement system, we appointed him for his connection with the boys. So when he gets into social engagement, the chemicals that he's producing in the boys, as well as keeping the ventral vagal open, is pivotal for learning. So one of our things that we do with the, with the staff is around, right, what's the major research that shows us around getting the children into the best learning brain? We cannot compete with the big boys that are near our corner that come that are just over the Pennines. So what do we have to be better at? Because facilities and that we can't cope with. So we be the best coach developers we can be. So what is that? So what does the science tell us around how we have personal greeting, structure boards for regulation? arrival activities what they're doing them arrival activities for brain fertilizer for dopamine for getting them into their learning so the fact that the tempo of the session then is higher and their learning is higher and they stay in that green zone for a lot longer which is learning capacity decision making capacity when they're out of the green zone no learning no decision making no problem solving so yeah you're right dopamine's a a massive indicator serotonin oxytocin and um, ventral vagal in the polyvagal theory. Okay, I'm really interested because I've never heard that term because I know nothing about it, ventral vagal. I know the vagus nerve and I know about what, nerve, what that yeah. does and, and, you know, the... It, you know the the relaxation and and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff and you're yeah. very sympathetic parasympathetic i do understand yeah. that at a, at a basic level so yeah. tell me about <laughs> your ventral vagal is the same it just feel like it just links into your vagus nerve okay. so it's basically it's a system that's around your it's a system around your parasympathetic nervous system so you don't have to be all terminology with it it's just basically it's what it what it lengths itself up to for on competition for play. So you're getting yourself into social engagement system, but it's competition. It's that element of getting yourself so your tempo's higher in your sessions. Okay, but so it's, it's into poly, it's links into your vagus nerve. It links into your nervous systems. It's it's yeah. you don't need to go too deep into it. No. Just know the fact that your when you're doing arrival activity research shows there's ten to fifteen minutes of a playful activity will give you more learning capacity throughout then the session and will literally personal greetings as well um, decreases behaviour and increases learning and the same as an arrival activity. That's why we promoted it so much at the FA. It also gives you a chance as a coach to have a bit of time set up but also to sense in because if you have children that are dysregulated an adult that's dysregulated then can't regulate a dysregulated child. So as a coach, the more you can be regulated, you can help to regulate a child that's dysregulated. If you're dysregulated yourself, 
no regulation happening. You know, one of my favorite, favorite things I ever heard, Sally, and I, and I love it today still is, it'll come back to me, I can't hear what you, what you are speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you say, you know. Yeah. And you've just kind of said that in, in, in a perfect way because I recognize, who doesn't recognize this if you're a coach? Because if you've coached for any number of years, and you haven't gone out in a bad mood because something's happened at home or on your way to work or whatever it is, and then you've asked the players to come in and they're all over the place and you end up telling one or two of them off kind of thing because they're not listening to you. And it's yeah. and ultimately, if you turn around and looked at yourself, you'd realise that your own internal states are all yeah. over the place. Yeah, so beautifully said, yeah. Sally. Yeah, yeah. No, and also... As a nervous system, we can regulate each other's nervous system. So if you're in connection with your players and you're regulated before you start your session, your window intolerance is longer. If you come and you're dysregulated or you've had a bad day at work or and we're all human, so it's going to happen, but you're there, one of the kids miss, doesn't listen, you're there. One of the other kids don't listen, you're there. And then you tip quite quick. Um, and then all you're doing is you're just into conflict. So everybody's nervous systems then are on high alert. So there's no learning and then it just carries on and carries on and carries on through the session. So the big thing for us is the coach has been aware of it, regulating themselves. So one of our coaches will after they went into the mindfulness room. He works as a teacher. They went into the mindfulness room before he went into his into his session to regulate himself. Because otherwise, he's not getting the enjoyment out of it. The kids are not as much. And they're tipping quite quick. So so, so yeah, so we can regulate each other's nervous systems as well, which is a fascinating thing when you start looking at it. And it kind of gets into that amazing thing. And I know we're going off topic, I suppose, but we just, uh, check, you know, we, we're yeah. following the conversation whereby the, there's a lot of research and I can't quote it. So I'm not being scientific about this, where um, a group of people who meditate have changed the the this the emotions of people in the same building and in even in the same street and all that kind of thing they, they've they've done just because there's a regular meditation practice and, and a state of mind of, of other people which is it's just a phenomenal concept if you kind of um buy into it and you actually believe it's believe that that's the case and i certainly do um but it, it fits into the fact that if you as the particularly if you're the influencer and the coach and the leader of the organ of that particular hour or that that two hours and you're not you are in a certain state of mind it, it will follow um but. yeah it will so it's spot on yeah but the science does tell us that as well so i think that's i think that's the big thing for us we, Jack sometimes will ring me and go, "Been reading this, what's the science? Like, tell me the science, is it real? And I'm like, yeah, it's real. So I think science now, the yeah. advanced sciences that are coming through as well, we might we might understand something different about his brain. We probably don't know half as much about yeah, it. No, um, but the advancing science now has given us a lot more evidence behind what we probably intuitionally think or feel. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see what happens in the next 10, 12 years with all the advances in science and what we come to comes to light which will be interesting. So I'm interested to know, just, you know, without detail and unless whatever you like, Sally, what, um, is there anything specific you do about um, like the introduction activities or all the, what did you call them? You used a term for when the players just arrive, the arrival activities. activities. Is it structured, unstructured, a bit of both as the rules? Is it, do the players do it themselves while the coach kind of sets up, observes? As a chat, a little bit of drive-by 
chit chat or what what's that like a mixture could have done with pete in here um so a mixture so sometimes the boys come in and just have unstructured play and it might be 2v2s or 3v3s or whatever just little small sided games and do they are they got the license to set them up to set that yeah. up themselves because they, they know they've got 15 minutes to, to kind of just warm up and stuff like that yeah so just unstructured areas um and they can sort themselves out and then sometimes pete because he moves through the age bandings we'll have certain age bandings that night he does a lot on animals a lot on shapes a lot on um, push pull activities rough and tumble play Children at our youngest age bandings at the minute um, for brain development um, for what we produce in BDNF. Rough and tumble play, lead and follow, um, and push and pull. So so Pete's devised loads of little activities that will be like races or he does a lot of shapes, a lot of What age groups are you, Sally? Um, School boys. So? Uh, Nines, tens, elevens, twelves. Wow, so not, not... Not not your babies, like no, no, these are like, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. So they have unstructured play, and then Pete will have them as well, or we'll have structured arrival activities where it's kind of linked back into the session. So it's not a sense of um, the activity one massively is the personal greeting and how you get in connection with the child, and then the arrival activity is d- d- dictated by. What they want to get out of it, or what Pete wears Pete in that schedule that week. So yeah, that's how we do it. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm also absolutely enamoured by the by the research. And again, it's listen. It, it, it's just me doing my own kind of listening and and reading and odd podcast here and there. So it's not it's not a um, an official thing. But the absolute benefits that kids love of rough and tumble, like you know that that bonding um that that's and i think i honestly think and and this is a this is a, de- a definite i think that with all the child protection stuff we we've gone through a phase that that's still in existence that coaches feel on the back foot about about social you know i mean i remember i've been on and so have you probably and sure you have i mean you probably taught on them courses where you know you've got to be really careful about putting your arms around kids and all that kind of stuff and 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 the for all the right reasons with all the the yeah. tragic things that have gone on and i honestly think that there's so much we know why it's right we know why it, it it's done and we know why it's appropriate but then again there's a question mark because it takes away you know I, i'm a very social coach in fact i absolutely love physical contact with my players you know whether that's punching them on the arm or 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 that giving them a big hug and that kind of thing you know it's just part of what i love about life you 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 know and hearing the fact that you get kids doing rough and tumble um you know is fantastic because it gives them a bonding doesn't it yeah pete's brilliant with it like he's got sticks he's got loads of stuff that he does like he's presented other week is he's brilliant he's so imaginative with it um and <clears throat> the thing for us is when you do like fist pumps or thumbs up for checking in or checking out one it's a big indicator if a child wants a fist pump and then the next three weeks they don't want no bodily contact it's a red flag so it gives us an understanding of what's going off in that child where are they, mm. where are they? but also when we're doing fist pumps or a high five every time you have a, a touch 
you're hitting dopamine level again. So you're keeping them in the green zone mm. learning. Um, somebody once told me that if we were to put a 20-second hook into a pill, it would be our strongest pill in the NHS. A 20-second what, Sally? Hug into oh, a, a pill. Hug. Yeah. It would be our strongest strongest drug in the NHS. Beautiful, eh? Yep. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. I I mean, I, you know, this, this podcast is, is all about listening to your experiences because it's just fantastic. But it brings to mind an experience I had with a group of players, not in the UK. And honestly, we they would not let me leave the the, the training ground every single session without and and there was like 40 players at the 40 boys plus in the group without like a hug are you with me and 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 I get you know what it's like when you're trying to pack the kit away you're yeah, trying yeah. to talk to like the other coach you're trying to make sure that you're going to get away on time and deal with one kid who's injured and and yeah. and, and, and and so you just hug whoever's there and like they would like wait in line and I'd be gone because I'd missed, I hadn't counted and and they'd be standing, I'm just about to get in my car and like there's three kids waiting for a hug, yeah. And like, It's funny and, because, it's funny because Eddie Boothroyd come and did some consultancy work at Chef United and I went through all the neuroscience with him and I've known Eddie from FA anyway and he said to me, oh my God, Sally, he said, somebody once told me teams that win more, touch more, so high fives, claps fist pumps on the field like as a team unit and I went yeah I went I could probably probably back that up by the science whether it's works or it doesn't work but you would suggest that actually yeah more physical contact fist pumping high fives whatever leans pushing balls yeah Absolutely. so Ada Bulbry said to me oh god I've always teams that touch more like high fives win pushes more. like that win more and I'm like yeah you you would you would probably back that up with what neuroscience says so it's interesting it's beautiful absolutely beautiful and it makes me all feel warm inside because it's kind of everything that that mm-hmm. you know uh i mean what i don't know it's just fantastic and and, and it's great when when the science backs you up it kind of just makes you think well yeah of course it does the kind of thing yeah we have to yeah. be informed by what the science says but also understand that sometimes what we see is the research that we need as well so but that's kind of why I'm doing the PhD. Well, the prof doc is basically bringing the science with the application and trying to employ it. And then that's that's what you do. You show that you you can apply the academic side into a practitioner. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well, listen, I'm really conscious. Uh, it's part of my um, inability to control Zoom. It's nearly <laughs> five o'clock. So I'm going to kind of wind it up because I'm res- respectful of your time, Sally. And um, No problem. I could probably listen to you for like, I don't know, just keep going. Um, but the, just to kind of wind it up, really, um, have you got loads in your kit bag that you want to bring out that that you're just thinking, I could bring that out and I could bring that out? Um, and is it, is it because it, it, it sounds very much like, you know, you and the club are on a cutting edge um journey really um to 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 and i really mean that i think i think you are by the sound of it i mean i don't know what goes on at every other club but um you know i, I can't imagine that and i don't want to be too comparative because as you say there are things going yeah. on in clubs and southampton have got what they call the learning lab and you know liverpool have got their 
air program and all that kind of thing, which in, embody all this. But um, yeah, where do you see things going in the next five years, whether that's for Sheffield, yourself, or, or you know, just, just your kind of area, if that's, that's a, a question that's worth considering? Um, I would hope for us at Sheffield, we build the programme. So I would hope that we could start to have um, other people that come in to look at specialist areas. So our outfight is ownership, communication, steel. So we've been looking at a conversation analysis person coming in to unpick the conversation stuff, the communication stuff. Looking at a specialist in resilience or steel, unpicking my work really and going, right, what what what's changed in that? What's right? Because it was really me, my brain, my ideas presented to Jack. Jack went, yeah, let's go. So it needs reviewing. It needs unpicking. We need to drive the programme. So for me, it's more of, I would want more practitioners in to be more in around more through the night as well. So some nights I stand, try and stay two nights. Um, but I think because it's getting momentum and carrying momentum and it's built in and the staff buy into it and the boys buy into it and we're doing some bits with the parents. Um, I think for me, the next couple of years is around building the programme here. Um, and seeing if we can have more expertise. And I said to Dale the other day, um, I'm not leaving. I love the club. I'm so fortunate to have the people. However, you always got to think about succession planning. And I wouldn't want what's ha- what I've put in here to then go. If I yeah. go and I don't think it will, because that's my job role. I should be able to leave in three years and it be sustained. Um, so I think that's kind of, we've played. We know it works now. I'm having the research to say it's, it does work when I can write up the data that we've collected. Um, so it's about then developing that programme, where we go next with it. Um, there's an areas that I want to look at um, going forward. Um, but yeah, regarding me, I don't know. I never, I'm never one of those that will always say to me, well, you're going to be in five years and people have their plans and that's perfect for them. That's not me. I think kind of just, whatever comes, go with and see what happens. But for me here would be to um, start developing the area more and challenge it and unpick it and push the boundaries even further for me. Wow. <laughs> that's a great place to end, eh? Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> Sally, I just want to thank you for your time. Um, you've been so enlightening and you've been exactly like you were at the conference, just completely, <laughs> completely um generous with your with, with your information and you know you've listened to every question i've thrown at you and give us give me a beautiful answer and um i'm absolutely uh enamored with what you're doing i think it's groundbreaking and i think you're courageous uh with your comrades and um you know i, I wish you every success and thanks for being on leader manager coach no thank you and i, I think that's the biggest point i'm very fortunate with the people i've got in this building um they are part of the process and massively run with everything. So, and they're very bright, forward thinking themselves. So, it's an easy job for me. But thanks, Rob. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate you asking me to uh, come on. The Leader Manager Coach podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful, and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport, and life. Leader, manager, coach.
for the game, for life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store.